welcome, welcome, welcome. All right, we have begun. It's a very interesting uh, moment for me. I'm just toying with technology. I am currently on Facebook Live. Currently on Facebook Live while simultaneously hosting a room on Clubhouse. So it's really neat what I recommend you do if, you ha- if you've been following me or uh, in, in whatever capacity. If you are on, uh, on your computer, you can watch this live on Facebook in my Trigger Proof Facebook community. And simultaneously, you have an opportunity to jump into my uh, Brain Care Club room that I'm hosting, and I'm hosting this conversation. So as I share uh, this training with you, uh, you have an opportunity to actually ask questions and be part of the conversation and watch it live. I'm here in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada, and uh, my wife and I just love Victoria. We would love to move here. And so I discovered that I can take all of my studio equipment, fit it all into a suitcase and be mobile. So it's a really exciting moment for me. This is the year that I retired from chiropractic. It's interesting. I'm a chiropractor and I'm about to be talking about, you know, about relationships. (laughs) The topic of today, today's room and today's conversation and going to be on my podcast as well is when to leave a relationship. And it's odd that a chiropractor, I always kind of joke, it's odd that a chiropractor is leading this conversation because what business do I have as a chiropractor having this conversation? And I got to tell you right off the bat, uh, this, this conversation that I'm leading doesn't really come from the lens of chiropractic. However, it's who I am. It's how I started my journey in what I now offer in my 46 years of now what I offer to the universe a big piece of integrating of who I am is a chiropractor. And I went into this, uh, I went into this game because uh, I love healing. I loved being a part of laying my hands on a patient who's laying on the table and delivering an adjustment or, you know, a course of care and having them have a transformative experience, watching their, their eyes, you know, change the light coming back into their eyes and just being a part of being a part of that person's healing was very uh meaningful to me it makes my heart sing so healing and transformation uh in any respect really inspires me and makes my heart sing and the longer that i was in my profession as a chiropractor the more i started to see that what was leading people into my office for care was usually really it's a stress-related issue if we could be honest it was stress-related in other words um, when you go through some sort of a stress uh, your body your nervous system uh, gets uh, confronted with uh, having to adapt to it so it puts a load on your on your nerves on your nervous system on and and because it's a a load on your nervous system it's a load on every system of your body so your digestion starts to starts to get shot your sleep starts to fall apart your um energy levels your chronic pains um the biggest ones <clears throat> that i would see 
is digestion and sleep and kind of hormonal levels. Uh, se sexuality, because <laughs> stress hormones compete with sex hormones. So, uh, you know, y you don't really feel horny when you're being chased down by a tiger, you know, unless that tiger is a, a cougar. Maybe that, that if you're a young male, you know, and you're being chased by a cougar, maybe that would, that would be inspiring. But uh, because sex hormones and, and uh, stress hormones compete with one another uh, on the receptors uh, in, in the cells, then usually people with stress, chronic stress issues, uh, have, you know, libido, uh, menstrual cycles, that kind of thing. So this is what leads, this is, here's the predicament. What leads you into this office, into my office, uh, aches and pains, digestive issues, low energy, uh, numbness and tingling, jaw, headaches, migraines, you know, that clenching, uh, just this overall feeling like you've been carrying a boulder up a hill, the, that, that exhaustion feeling. And so try doing that, that for 20 years and getting to know um, different patients and get really becoming close. And you realize that stress is what leads people into doctor's offices. And so I, re I realized that. So I started teaching my patients about stress, uh, well-being, that kind of thing. And so as I'm teaching them, I'm going through a divorce myself. And I experience that whole resentment, that feeling of loss, the feeling of grief, the feeling of stress and anxiety. And then the relationship anxiety of going from after my divorce back in 2011, uh, going from one relationship to another, the anxiety of makeup, breakup, meet someone, butterflies, everything's great, and then things fall apart. And... It's interesting, as I'm teaching about stress and I'm going through this divorce and re-entry into the uh, dating scene, I'm realizing, holy shit, um, I'm starting to fall into patterns. It, why is it, Nima, that every single time you enter a relationship, it literally is the same script. The script goes something like this. You're on a date um, and you meet somebody and because of my training, because of what I do in my own personal growth and what I teach other people, as I meet that person, I could actually see where their blind spots are, uh, you know, as coaching and I can't turn this thing off. So it's like I can see it and a first date basically would look like this with me. <laughs> I'm kind of embarrassed to say it. But whether they had a neck pain or headaches or uh, they're still burnt from their last relationship, on that first date, I would have them in tears. I would do an adjustment, their neck pain would be gone, and all of a sudden, I have now rescued them, and I become super duper important. Now they really like me, and begins this and now begins this familiar dance of hero, becoming their hero, and then turning into their villain. <laughs> becoming in their hero and then turning into their villain, becoming the hero and then turning into the villain. And this crazy cycle that I would keep going into, by the way, that's my son. We're in the hotel room and we just had a nice little walk. And so if you hear him screaming, that's, that's what he's doing. He does what he does. And so I'd keep going through this cycle again and again and again. And it wasn't until I hit this last relationship of mine where I was in limbo 
for four years. In other words, let me tell you, I started off as a res another rescue operation. I just have this real superpower. I, this is what I have. I have this into, I have this superpower, which is this intuitive ability to read people, to see through the story that they tell, to see past the bullshit stories. You know, it took a lot of restraint for me to not just speak up and blurt the truth. And that got me into a lot of trouble because people say they want the truth, but then, you know, and maybe it was also my mannerisms and the way that I was maybe saying it a little aggressively, but it wasn't received well. Either it was received incredibly well, like, fuck, thank you. And I still get that to this day from, from our clients. Fuck, I hated you in the beginning. You triggered the shit out of me, but God damn it, I've been going to a therapist for 20 years and they've just been validating my story. And I really appreciate you just fucking told me the truth. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not a therapist. I'm like your... Um, older brother or younger brother or uh, the, f the friend who's going to just tell it to you like it is. It's like the medicine that you might not, that might not feel good going down and it might be painful, but it's just what you need. And so a lot of people, especially ones who are in fantasy land and who have uh, real big challenges receiving feedback, they fucking hate that style of direct coaching. And so I would be in these situations and I would either get this, it was very bipolar, I would all, it was very polarizing, either get, and I still am that way, either get people going, wow, this is amazing, wow, this is like, whoa, exactly what I need, or fuck, that guy's an asshole, I hate, da, 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 da. and so I'm, you know, starting to come to terms with the fact that both can be true and I can still love the shit out of myself. <laughs> I just really, I know what I'm really good at. But what would happen was when I hadn't really healed my own um, unresolved trauma, my I didn't do my real trauma work. I did personal development, kind of like, you know, and what I'm seeing now is kind of like surface areas change the story, but I never dealt with what was underneath in the nervous system, like the nervous system distress uh, reactions from conflict. These are these are skills that I never learned, uh, as most people haven't. And so, I would show up on these dates, and I would be the hero. And then within a few months, I would become the villain and then the hero and then the villain and then the hero and then the villain. And then I would become the victim because now they're, you know, hate that, you know, it was just, it's just weird. If you've ever read the book, The Truth by Neil Strauss, um, he basically, as I was reading, I was like in tears going, fuck, this guy is like, he is, he's so relatable, right? And so it's called The Truth. So my version of getting to the truth was the reality that I was putting on a performance in my relationships. And it would always lead to the same dynamic. No matter who I was with, I would repeat these patterns and I would get into this place where I was like, should I stay, should I go? Especially after a divorce, <clears throat> I was going from one relationship to the next and I could use my how I got burnt in my divorce as a good, uh, excuse to not have to commit, right? So right off the bat, as an avoidant, I don't know what, if you know what your, um, uh, if you know what your attachment style is, if you don't know, let me know, uh, or go on to uh, my Instagram and click on the bio that says, find out your attachment style. Make sure if you don't know that yet, go to my Instagram link in bio, 
find out your attachment style uh, because there's a little quiz. It's like 10 minutes long. That just kind of gives you a rudimentary understanding of your attachment style. Mine was avoidant. So I would just uh, deeply desiring and deeply wanting connection. I would connect. However, when things got really close and there was feelings and attachment that happened, my avoidance patterns would come in. I would kick in the, my fears of un, uh, my unresolved woundings from my perceptions of loss from my marriage. And I would use that as an excuse to go, ah, it's all right. Mm, you know, just didn't want things to get serious. And after about the eighth or ninth rendition of this cycle, I had to sit down and go, fuck, what am I missing here? But I still ignored it. I would get warnings from people. Those closest to me said, Nima, you got to look at that. Then I would do more kind of what I now see as kind of surface work, cognitive work. Work that involves just changing the story, maybe doing counseling session. That What does that look like? Maybe just doing counseling session, maybe doing therapy, which is all helpful to talk to somebody. Maybe doing a landmark forum. That, that was amazing. I highly recommend everybody do it. There's some annoying parts of it, of course, but what you learn about communication and you know empowerment and everything is really great. Demartini, I would do lines and columns, which is amazing and it all involves changing my perceptions. But the truth be told, I didn't have the skills to be able to navigate conflict, number one. And number two, I didn't know how to respond to my triggers, I was reactive. And the reactions to these triggers or these conflicts, which are these distress signals, our nervous system, when you go into conflict, all of a sudden, all of the things you learned in your therapy and your personal development landmark and Demartini and all of the great stuff that you've learned that's helped you move the needle, imagine it just going offline. And now you fucking completely forget because now you're no longer a functional adult. You are now speaking from the lens of a wounded child because your nervous system attachment distress signals have now come online and your brain has come offline. Rational thinking is out and now you're in protection mode. And how do you protect? You fight, you flight, you fawn, or you freeze. These are the attachment distress signals. Fight, well, we know that, that was me. It's when you come in hot, your sympathetic nervous systems are firing and now you just wanna pick fights and poke and poke and poke and try to start shit, right? Uh, then there's flight, which is fuck you, run, I'm running or I'm, I'm out of here, which is really funny in our trigger-proof community. People always ask the question, it's really funny to me now that I understand this. People ask questions, help, I need advice. What do you need to do? Da, 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 da. My partner's this. He told me this. I told him this. They told me this. Da, 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 da. Help any advice. And invariably what you see in this community of, you know, almost 9,000 people now. So a lot of people who haven't really done the work, they'll say the same thing. He's a nurse. He's a narcissist. Lots of um, exclamation marks, by the way. Capital letters. Run. He's a narcissist. Run, which I understand because they're talking to themselves 10 years ago when they were just kind of like dating this person that they didn't really, when they abandoned themselves and they just kind of like kept going and 
when they're going, he's a narcissist, run. They're, they're trying to help the other person, but they're actually talking to themselves. And running just so happens to be a trauma response, which I understand if you don't have the skills, you haven't mastered the skills of self-regulation and, um, and you abandon yourself again and again and again, it seems very protective to run away. The problem is every time we get triggered, we're gonna go back to those distress signals, distress responses, and then we just keep repeating patterns and we destroy any possibility of growth we destroy any, I'm not saying you have to be with that person, but I'm not, but I'm saying there's a way to do it, which I'm about to share with you. If you stick around to the end, how to decide or determine whether to stay or go without having to run. Okay. And this is the focus of all of our trainings in, in our uh, intimacy accelerator and upgrade programs and our cycle breakers community. And this is really what we, we focus on. And so so basically fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. So fight, run, sorry, fight, flight, which is run, freeze, which is very common. This is when you wanna run, but you're afraid to run <laughs> because, uh, because any motion, anything that you did as a child resulted in pain. So if you were hit as a child for speaking up, speaking your truth. If you had a consequence for sharing your truth that was painful for you, you're gonna get triggered and you wanna say something, but then all of a sudden, there's another protective voice that suppresses your, your speaking up. And all of a sudden, it's kind of like a deer in headlights experience. In your body, it's experienced this high activation and arousal, but complete like inability to move. This is what a lot of people experience when they apply to work with us. They no show for their, their calls. We, we fucking hate it, by the way. <laughs> like, oh, there's another freezer. Um, uh, they commit and they, they're, they're like, I gotta do this. They're in tears. I can't live like this anymore. Uh, you know, I can't, like it's destroying my life. It's happening to my kids. My kids are watching it and they're in tears. I can't do this. And they're like literally in tears. I'm like, all right. You're ready to heal this. We know what to do. We got to confront the demon, the dragon, just walk through this door and commit. And then all of a sudden you see their faces change. Uh, that's, I, I can't, I, I just can't. I, it's, it, I, I can't do it. it I'm like, excuse me, what? Why can't you? What, what just happened? Uh, I, I, it's too much. Um, I'm really busy. You know, like I got so much on the go. And it's like, wait, 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 20 minutes ago. You are actually in the in in tears, saying you cannot live like this anymore. And then now, literally, their faces change, which is what happens when you when we get triggered uh, and our nervous systems uh, go into different various states of protection. You can see it in somebody's eyes in their face. So fight, flight, freeze, and you stop. And what does that look like in a relationship? Well, it looks like turning inward. It looks like avoidance. It looks like not wanting to talk to anybody. It looks like phew, it feels a lot like stonewalling. So when somebody, you're in a relationship and then they're stonewalling you and you're like, ah, oh, you're giving me the silent treatment. You're stonewalling me. It feels like an attack. But what you don't see because you haven't yet been trauma informed and you haven't learned how to self-regulate and understood the, 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 the rules of the game is that 
in all likelihood, they also might be in a freeze response, which means I can't, no matter what I say, it's hopeless because I can't share my truth and be met. So it doesn't feel safe to express myself. So I'm just going to freeze, right? But because that might, because being ghosted or stonewalled doesn't feel good, inside because it brings back our unresolved wounds when mommy or daddy just kind of were shut down because of their nervous systems. This is a cycle, you see, because of their nervous systems or they were checked out or they were addicts or alcoholics or whatever, and they just were absent emotionally. Their nerves, they were their soul had left their body, which is what happens with trauma. We then now re-experience that in the relationship when we're feeling stonewalled. And it's like, oh my God, you're giving me the silent treatment. It's like, I remember one of my uh, exes would be like, stop giving me the silent treatment. It's kind of like, what I'm seeing is she was perceiving that I was attacking her with the silent treatment. And I get that that's what it felt like. At the time, I wasn't actually attacking her. I just didn't feel safe saying anything because no, I've thought, what's the fucking point in saying anything because she's just going to turn it around on me. She's not going to under, she's going to defend. She's not going to listen. So what's the point in me saying anything? So when somebody stonewalls, often it's an unre- uh, 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 un, um, uh, undealt with freeze response. Right. See, there's two people there in a relationship, both with the respective nervous systems. Right. So this is a very big conversation. So that's the freeze response. And then the last one is the fawn response. Uh, When you get triggered in a, you know, in a dynamic, this fawn response, which is a pleaser. Okay, whatever you say. Oh, sorry. I love you. I love you. And what you do is you abandon yourself just to placate, please and appease. Because as a child, when you were younger, any speaking of your truth might have led to feelings of abandonment, feelings of rejection, and so painful that you'd rather reject you than to have the other person reject you. So you just say yes to everything. Sure, I like country music. (laughs) Fawning. Sure, I love rap music when you don't. Uh, Sure, no, nothing. I'm fine, you know. You know, you, you, you've shown up two hours late to pick me up. Um, you haven't called or texted in four days and you called me five minutes before and you're two hours late and everything's fine. I'm good. And that's the fawn response, right? So we all have our own ways of uh, reacting when we're triggered in these distress responses. And so in order to answer the question, when people message me, this is the most common question that I get. And I'm like, okay, I've I've pretty much created programs dedicated to answering that question. Um, Without doing these two specific, without, first of all, number one, under three things, understanding the nervous system and these two other experiences, Without doing those three specific things that I'm about to share, then you're going to basically go from one, you can leave the relationship, but then you'll repeat the same thing again, 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 as I did. I did too. (laughs) The same goddamn pattern, different haircut. (laughs) But when you get this right, something magical happens. 
uh, one of our one of our uh, students and participants uh, was had ended a 12 year relationship where she had there was infidelity early on and she was beating herself up like the first couple of years there was infidelity she had an affair and you know they made up and for the remainder of like 10 years she was beating herself up for it <clears throat> and being anxious in the whole relationship and so she broke up from that and she was just really in a in a dark place with her anxiety and so she began this journey with us and said I want to break this cycle and as she's done what I'm about to share she has now gotten into a relationship with somebody who is actually just as at the same level of consciousness as she is. In other words, she's not only able to self-regulate, but she's now able to communicate her needs in a very powerful way, whereas before she would have abandoned herself. And he's rising up to meet her there. You know, and there's so many, that's, that's one example. Once you do these, um, make these three specific, master these three specific things that I'm about to share. Like another client of ours, um, Laura, who uh, in a, a, ended an abusive marriage, going through a legal battle, two kids, full of anxiety, skin picking, skin wasn't great. Um, uh, anxiety through the roof, uh, you name it. You name what, what you had, it, she had it. She began this process and just before, she's in another relationship, but she's kind of going through the drama and the legal stuff of the act with the ex. Before she began, her, her partner, who's a wonderful guy, says to her, look, I think I need some space from you. I don't think I wanna do this. There's too much drama happening in your life and I don't really wanna be pulled down she goes, listen, I understand. I haven't been my best. I'm now starting to work and do some deeper work than I've ever done. It's scary, but I want to do this. Please give me a few months. So now fast forward just a few months. Well, about a year, it's been a year. Like, I mean, she's gone through the process, but her and her ex have, have, um, what's the word I'm looking at? Reconciliation, not because they've gotten back together, but they're a team now no lawyers, so she saved tens of thousands in legal fees. Her kids now see her and her, her, their father working as a team. They got each other's backs and the current partner she's with is like, I'm ready to marry you. And she's like, all right, let's do this. And she never thought she would feel safe doing that again. So don't underestimate the power of these three very important skills that we all must master. If we are to go from a, should I stay or go, to creating a secure relationship. Now this is scary, there's some fear involved because many people watching and listening, which this by the way breaks, breaks my heart like crazy. Uh, many people um, have DM'd me and said, Dr. Ema, I really want to work with you and do this work and, and commit, but I know that by me doing this would probably be the end of my relationship. <sighs> so I really, my heart goes out to people in that situation who are holding back their own growth and healing that they know that, they, that they're responsible for doing. I mean, nobody, nobody's, I mean, it's not your fault I want you to get. It's like, driving a bus 
being on a bus that gets into a car accident. I want to thank Christina for giving me that uh, analogy. It was a great one. The the you're on a bus and then um, it goes it gets into an accident. Now that's not your fault. It's not my fault that the bus got into the accident. However, it's my responsi- my responsibility for doing my physical therapy on my injuries. You know, because let's assume that there's no insurance, okay? Let's assume that you're in a third world country, there's no insurance, and you're responsible. Sorry you got into the accident, not your fault, but see the injuries that happened from it? Okay, great. Who's, who's, who's going to take care of that? Well, I can sit there and wait for somebody else to, or I can say, wow, I really want to hike up mountains. I want to swim. I want to play sports. And I don't need to wait for somebody to rescue me. I'm going to do whatever it takes, travel whatever distance, pay whatever price to get there because I only have this one shot at life. And life without secure relationships is fucking brutal. I don't care how much money you have. I live that for the first half of my life. I'm on the second leg of my journey. And it was one of the biggest things that I learned was that I used to think it was about money and chicks. (laughs) My life was a demonstration of that. I had a lot of that, but I... A lot of that, but I didn't have the most important wealth of all is relationships. Because once you get that right and you learn how to self-regulate and co-regulate, you then have health. <laughs> because most people, I noticed as, this, as the chiropractor, I would ask them when their symptoms would start. And they would all tell me very similar. It was after the death of so-and-so. My, my partner died and I just haven't been the same since. Or went through a breakup and I've been like in a hole. I've been in a pit for the last two years. Um, ever since um, I was 13, one, one of my clients I remember on our discovery call, he was like in tears. I go, when did, when did this all begin? And he starts, grown ass man. He's a cowboy actually with a Southern accent and, you know, cowboy hat and he does roping and rodeoing and all that. <laughs> and he's, he talks about when he was 13 years old and his parents divorced and his mother, uh, his dad got him to choose, are you going to live with mom or me? And that he just, as he told me about that, his tears started coming. He, his eyes just welled up and he's just crying. And I'm like, bingo. So, most of our traumas are relational. Let me say that again. Most of the traumas that we've gone through are relational. So <clears throat> it's of no wonder that we get into relationships and things start to fall apart. And then our health starts to fall apart. And then our wealth starts to fall apart. Everything falls apart. Because deep down, you know, we crave connection. But at the same time, we're terrified of it. So what a conundrum this is for a human. We desire connection, but it's the one thing we're terrified of. So I'm going to give you a little um, kind of three three steps if I could. I don't want to use steps because it's not easy. These are not easy by any means. Uh, but this is your path moving forward. And it's nobody else's path but yours. This is your hero's journey. This is what I did, what I realized I had to do. And now as I did it, 
I now have a secure relationship, not just with my wife, because now I have a, a, a wife and I have a son and I didn't think that was possible. I'm 46 years old, I thought it's not gonna happen for me. Um, I have that with my guy friends, with men. I have secure relationships with men. I have secure relationships with my clients. I'm able to set boundaries of who I'd like to work with and who's definitely not a fit. You know, I, I before I used to just fawn and just take anyone who DM'd. Now it's like, mm, maybe you might be better off doing, you know, six more months of therapy before you're ready for this stuff. You might be a little bit, this might be too conflicting and confronting because this is shadow work. It's what you've probably been avoiding. A lot of times we do talk therapy to avoid this stuff. This is for the, the badasses. And so if, if, um, if you really wanna learn how to answer the question when to leave a relationship, when's it, what's, what's the appropriate time, these are the steps. I'm gonna outline them and these are nobody else's. And here's the other part. You've been listening to the Trigger Proof Podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation. Becoming trigger-proof doesn't mean trigger-less. It means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds. Anytime there's reactivity, there's a wound. And if you're curious and inspired to learn more, join us at Breathwork and Badassery or the Overview Experience. And a combination of both actually helps you do the work. There's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. Nobody can do this for you. And here's the other part of it, which is a mind fuck. We can't do it alone. <laughs> In other words, uh, we must heal within relationship. So we were traumatized relationally, but we must lean into the mistrust and kind of re-trigger ourselves in that container, in a safe container where we can, uh, you know, we feel safe to kind of explore all of the trauma responses that we've had. In other words, for me to heal my tendency to run, I had to show up in, in a relationship, get triggered, notice that, fuck, I just wanna run, but then pause and lean in instead of escaping, lean into co-regulating. And that's how I've been able to shift to a secure state. And I say shift because secure relationship is a work in process, is a work in progress. Secure relationship is not a destination that you get with a finish line. It's a process that requires continuous observation, continuous leaning in, continuous work. It's a spiritual practice. And so that's why uh, the, the work we do is very nervous system based and it's a little bit woo because that's who we are. 
we're, you know, nervous system beings and we have a connection to divinity. And I think that to have a complete package of healing, we got to address all of it. So you might disagree, but that's, that's what's been working. So here's the first thing. And I don't know if you can see it. Yes. I have this little tool, this device. So I'm writing it here and I'm, uh, I, I believe it works. So the first thing when to leave in a, when to leave a relationship, should I stay? Should I go advice, please? The first skill you want to master, there are three skills you want to master. Skill number one is um, autonomic regulation. Skill number one is autonomic regulation. The ability to self-assess, to join yourself where your nervous system has been leading you and then surf that wave and bring yourself back to safety. That, wouldn't it have been great if your mom and dad taught you that? What were you taught instead? Well, if you're like me, you were taught, um, you know, react at the drop of a hat with zero to rageaholic in no time flat. You were par possibly parented with shame so used that to control or whatever. And so you're now kind of in a place where you're judging and abandoning and blaming and shaming yourself constantly. And so you live with this mask on and it's exhausting and it puts on a load on your nervous system. And it's kind of like being chased by a tiger all the time. And so without me learning how to tame that tiger, how to befriend the tiger, how to dance with this aspect, this nervous system of mine, I was constantly needing outside people to do it for me. If we don't get this part right and we learn how to become the, if we don't learn how to be the active operators of our nervous systems, we then need other people. We need rescuing from other people. And what happens is you're just going to go from one rescue op as a rescue operation from one person to another. If you're a damsel in distress, you're going to attract knight in shining armors, hero rescuers to rescue you from your uh, inability to regulate your autonomic state. And that rescuer then will become your villain. You just keep going and you just, then you're now the victim of another, you know, villain. Then you're just going to go to the next, on your next date, you'll be like, oh, poor me, poor me. And then the knight in shining armor is going to come in and rescue you. There's going to be a dance of that going on. And then eventually within six months, they're going to turn into your villain as well because you haven't learned the most important skill is to autonomically regulate your nervous system. That's number one. Number two skill that we must learn, we must learn is um, addressing transference. Now, what do I mean by that? Transference, this is what we talk about in our overview experience. I literally go through the whole process with everybody. It takes six hours. We take a trigger. We stretch it out over six hours and we examine what's happening to your nervous system on each of these points, what you're making it mean about you, where it comes from. And this is the transference is that meaning that nothing that you're going through in this relationship limbo that you're experiencing right now really has anything to do with right now. It's actually a, what's called a transference from a younger part of you 
that is kind of re-experiencing an old wound in an attempt to have completion. And you can't even see it because it's in your blind spot. So in other words, when you, let's say, have, uh, you were a child and your father left at the age of two, there's a little fragmented fragmentation that happens within your psyche. There's one part of you that says, screw this, I'm gonna survive, I don't need a man. Screw that, men leave, men, men are not there for you. That's one part that will fragment into that. The other part is this deep wounded little girl or little boy or whatever that just really craves being looked after by a man just really wants to be taken care of like you never did. And so this conflict within you, there's a conflict happening within you with these disparate parts, it's called, these disowned parts of you. And so we will get into relationship dynamics that are going to trigger these unresolved parts. It's kind of fucked up, I know. <laughs> I don't make the rules. But once I saw that that's what was happening, it was like, oh, I started realizing why I got into the same patterns. Without addressing this, I was bound to repeat this for the rest of my life. And I probably would be in my 50s and 60s not having the experience of having a family. You know, and so I'm really grateful that I woke up to this. But it's not easy. The biggest obstacle will be you're not going to want to go look. You're going to get scared. You might have a freeze response when you try to uncover those and look underneath the hood. So you're going to be like, oh, maybe I'll listen to a podcast. Maybe I'll read your book. Maybe I'll read a book or maybe I'll just go talk to my therapist. Yes, helpful, helpful. And it's not addressing the actual body-based distress response. For that to happen, you gotta actually lean into triggering it and you're not gonna want to. What I've noticed is the people who really are successful are the ones that have get really get that if they don't do something, calamity will, will, will ensue. Like you really gotta get to the place where the pain of staying where I am and repeating this is fucking unbearable. Like, like I can't do it anymore. Otherwise, you're gonna be like, uh, it's familiar, it's the devil I know, and I'd rather, you know, even though it, I hate it, it's familiar, it's safe. It's far safer than going into this unknown and becoming something else. That. That's one of the most challenging uh, parts of this work is that, you know, out of 10 people that, uh, to, that set up applications that, that, that apply to work with us to really break this cycle, to become a cycle breaker, only one actually make it through. Uh, maybe even less, half of one, maybe one in 20 actually make it through. There's so many obstacles. There's fear. There's, oh, what would other people think? Oh, there's, uh, my husband doesn't approve of me doing this. I can't do this unless I have his permission. He scoffs at it and laughs and thinks that I'm wasting my money. And, oh, uh, okay. It's the very reason why you need to actually find who you are because you're so enmeshed with what other people think of you. That's exactly the obstacle. It becomes the reason. It's really painful on, on, to be on my side, to see that and to constantly remind myself how scary it is and how most people who say they're ready just might not be. And so 
Uh, that's why I keep creating this content to awaken you that, hey, what happens if I don't change? Just take a look in the mirror. What happens if I don't change? Is it okay the next five years? What is this costing me? How has it been impacting my health? Right? Because this relationship thing that you're just kind of sitting that I'm that I was sitting on the fence in because I was too frozen to make a decision was actually impacting my health. And worst of all, if you're in a family dynamic, guess what your kids experience? They feel that lack of safety. The kids feel this lack of safety, and then that creates this insecure bond with them, which then forms the foundation in their nervous system to recreate insecure attachments the same way we did. <laughs> Talk about a mind fuck. And how cool would it have been if 40 years ago your parents were on Facebook Live and they were listening or they were on uh, Spotify listening to this podcast or Clubhouse if they had that, that kind of thing and they were like, all right, whatever it takes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this cycle. How would that have changed your experience of life? You know, it's a really good question to ask because consider the possibility that's why you were put on this earth. You were put on this earth listening to this uh, broadcast right now because you're here for a reason. It's not an accident. Maybe there was a little calling in your side that says, I want you to be the, the one that breaks the cycle in my family bloodline. You know, and so that that become that when I took that on, that became a very inspiring path. So I'm encouraging you to maybe give yourself permission to step up, even though it's going to be scary. So you got to address the transference number two. When you get this part right, when you get this part right, it's really neat because what happens is you can leave the relationship, but you're now um, two things will happen. You will leave the relationship with understanding. You'll be like, ah, okay, I'm leaving, but I'm leaving with an open heart to myself and the other person. I get it. I'm not reacting. I'm not running. I'm not fawning. Um, I'm just, my heart is open and I'm choosing something higher level of connection that, that reflects the amazing connection that I now have for myself. I deserve more now. I actually feel like I deserve it. You're ready to step up. Or the second thing happens, once you address that shadow part of you, that inner child part of you, that's the transference is going to, your energy internally actually shifts. People, which all of our clients, their, their family members all say the same thing. They're like, something's different about you. And the answer is, is that once you address the transference, you emotionally mature. You're not as reactive to the other person. You start rising up and either they rise with you, which has happened many times in our relationship and in, in the relationships of our, of our clients, they rise up with you and they're like, they start doing their own work. It's like, whoa, they've shifted because they see your value and they're like, fuck, I don't want to leave that person. And they took, they had the, the guts to be able to just stop going, when are you going to fix yourself? And they stopped looking at me, but they were doing their own work and they've become the divine masculine. They've become the divine feminine. They're hot. They're, they're so attractive to me that I don't want to lose them. And I got to clean up my act, which, which is what happened with Pamela, who had been in relationship limbo for fucking 10 years. They were both doing counseling together every week. He was having affairs like constantly and they would just keep 
she was like, should I stay, go? She, she messages us. She goes, I've been doing this counseling stuff therapy for years. I'm finally like, how do you know when to leave a relationship? And said, do this work learned nervous system regulation. She addressed the transference and she did number three, which I'm about to share. And all of a sudden she turns to him in a counseling session and says, it's time for me to go. And he looks at her and before he would always gaslight her. No, 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 we're going to be fine. And she didn't have the courage to step up. She's like, nope, it's time for us to leave. And he turns and he's like, he felt something different in her. And he's like, okay, I understand. And guess what he did? He helped her move. He helped her move. They have three beautiful children. So she did this work because she wanted to break the cycle and not pass all of the trauma down to them, which is a really great noble cause because, you know, the work isn't easy. So you got to have a big enough why if you want to do it. Um, and she was like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. And he helped her move and they both went on their own merry way and started dating other people. And then lo and behold, he shows up at her door and he's completely shifted. He finally stopped faking the work and he was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to lose you. And he changed and they got back together. But it wasn't until she got as resourced within herself as possible that she was willing to say, look, I'm no longer going to abandon myself just for the sake of a connection. I choose myself now. And that you know, she realized that she was enabling him by kind of placating and waiting for him. And she was kind of enabling him in staying kind of stuck. And this happens all the time. You know, it's just like we're afraid of taking action towards our higher selves. We're so afraid because we're afraid of losing that person. But when you're willing to no longer tolerate, no longer be available for anything other than how you're treating you, which is amazing, because you've invested in yourself, you've made yourself a priority, you've opened up space, you've learned how to regulate your nervous system, you've taken care of all the little shadow pieces that are being triggered in your relationship lim limbo, so you're present, you shift, your body shifts. There's an embodied sense of truth that wasn't there before when you were constantly placating, pleasing, something very inauthentic about that, playing the fauner, right? And so you change, but the, it's like changes that you don't have to say, look at me, I change. It's felt. It's kind of like the person who goes to the gym and uh, has to tell everyone, hey, everyone, I went to the gym versus the person who doesn't have to tell anybody just goes and then you look at them and you're like, dude, have you been going to the gym? Like you look fucking amazing. What is it? And you're like, and the person's like, yeah, I've been really spending a lot of time putting the right stuff in my body and moving my body in inspiring ways. I feel great. Thank you for noticing. I appreciate that. That's what happens when you heal your nervous system and you actually address the transference. If you don't get this part right, you're playing the victim, going from one victim story to another, again and again, like I did. And when you finally get this right, you become a safe container for secure relationships to thrive. It's not about the other person doing their work because it's you. You all of a sudden are like, fuck, I realize I'm the limiting factor here, which is, you know, it's not about your fault. I'm not saying it's your fault, but there's an incredible amount of power that I, that I unknowingly keep giving away, waiting for the other person to fix themselves so that I don't have to be confronted with my emotions. Anyway, number three, 
The last one is addressing transference. Number three is addressing projection. I don't know if you can see this. Projection. What do I mean by that? Let me see if I turn this this way. There we go. What do I mean by that? Addressing projection. Projection is a really interesting um, phenomenon in psychology. And it was uh, addressed by Sigmund Freud. Carl Jung talks about this a lot. He says, Carl Jung says, whatever irritates us about others is a window to understanding ourselves. And uh, I did a clubhouse chat. Um, and there's, there's, whenever we use, nar we talk about narcissism. Uh, I do a clubhouse chat with Russ and we did it a few weeks ago on narcissism. And that's always a hot topic. Whenever you write narcissism on a clubhouse room, guaranteed to have it well attended because everybody, that's like crack to uh, social media. The word narcissist, everybody tosses it around. And of course, nobody tosses it around more than narc abuse coaches. So uh, I have a different perspective on it. Uh, I talk about it a lot and it's actually really interesting. And what I talk about is that uh, perception is projection, uh, which means any trait that I spot in you, that I label you as, there's three fingers pointing back to me. This is a very uncomfortable part in the overview experience with my clients who are working at kind of dismantling these cycles of patterns of arguments, patterns of relationships. This is hands down the most uh, difficult because it involves dancing with our egos. Our egos are trying to protect us from seeing our shadow parts, the parts of us that we don't really like. But if there's a part of me that I can't stand, that I'm judging, let's say I really can't stand my narcissistic part. We all have an inner Kanye West, I believe. I believe we all have this self-interested um, uh, self part of us that wants to live the high life and, and, and have the attention. And we all have an inner Kanye. But if we don't like, and I had, definitely, I, I'm not, I, I'm not a, a absent of that. But if I'm, if I'm judging that part of me or I hate that part of me or I've turned my back on that part of me, what's going to happen is uh, it's, it, it goes into that energy goes somewhere and it gets hidden and stored in my unconscious. And, and that, that's energy. It's there. And what happens is it gets triggered by my partner. My partner will display this behavior. My children, your kids will display this behavior. If you want to test this out of your parent, think of the trait that really pisses you off the most about your kid. Right? Think about it. I, I did this exercise very recently when I looked and I was so frustrated at Dominic. I'm like, the guy just doesn't listen. He just does whatever the fuck he wants and has no, like, no restraint on just doing what he wants. It's so annoying. And I just had to go, uh, ouch. How is that exactly like me? In other words, the question I'm asking, I'm wise to ask is, who sees me that way? And I'll be like, fuck, every relationship I've ever been in. My wife definitely thinks that. Ask my parents, guaranteed they feel that way. My clients often feel that way. And so this is the part where our clients just start to put the emoji of, of barfing. 
They put the barf emoji. They're like, when they realize that what they've been projecting in the other person, my husband's a narcissist. And so this person's a narcissist. And so the denser my ego, the less likelihood that I'll be able to spot what I'm projecting in the other person. Let me say that again. If I'm blind, if I'm completely in my ego, my ego's running the show, I won't be able to identify where I project that same trait I'm judging in my partner myself. I learned this from John Demartini. He 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 said it's reflective awareness. This is a very rare skill that most people don't have, which is why we have such shitty unconscious relationships most of the time because we don't have a reflective awareness. We don't have an ability of addressing what we're projecting in the other person. That when I see my this person as selfish and narcissistic, what's happening is I'm looking at a reflection of myself, a part of me that I'm judging, that's calling on me, just like the transference piece, to integrate. Once you learn that and you spot it and you're able to reintegrate by addressing that, those parts directly, all of a sudden you go from reactive wounded child or adapted adolescent who's kind of doing the fight, flight, freeze, fawn responses, and you go into becoming a functional adult. Your heart opens, your nervous system regulates, and then your brain comes back online because you're not reactive. You don't have to leave because it's like, run, run away. Well, you're running from a place of activation to protect yourself because you don't feel safe based on the dynamic. But what if you were to recreate your own safety so that your prefrontal cortex comes back online and now you're connected to your own intuition. And from there, nobody will have to tell you, are you gonna stay or go? You're gonna, you're gonna have the answer. Sometimes the answer is, wow, like we've seen with our clients, the partner steps up to meet them there. And other times, like I'm helping with some other, uh, I seem to specialize in helping uh, the majority is women generally who are in their codependent state, help them kind of untangle from the nar their narcissistic counterpart. And the big part of that is helping them realize where they've been narcissistic and it's painful. Once they do, they have power that they've been giving away to this narcissist, not realizing that this narcissist that they've been judging and labeling, they're only judging and labeling themselves. That's a very painful revelation. And they go from thinking that they're a monster and seeing them for their through their wounds and seeing them, their counterpart, their partner, at the effect of their own, dis, dis, um, at the effect of their wounds, and all of a sudden they have power once again, they now have power when they didn't have it before. So from there, you can think clearly. In one of our clients' case, she said, no, nope, I'm not doing it, we're done. And she's been messaging me going, this has been the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but I never would have had the courage to do it. I would have just kept fawning and going, okay, and being used. She was being used and manipulated. I could see it. I couldn't tell her. All of her friends could see it. I couldn't tell her because, you know, her ego was at the point where she wasn't accepting it. But, but 
um, as she's healing through this, she's now able to set boundaries and she wasn't able to before. So it's not about taking a class on healthy boundaries. Once you actually learn to regulate the nervous system, address the transference, address the projection, um, you have a definition of who you are. You can just say, no, yes, no, this is okay, this is not okay, I'm not available for that. You're now able to you're now able to choose and you you won't self-abandon anymore. It's really, but if you don't do all of this, you will be like you we did as children, self-abandon again and again and again just to keep that safety, perceived safety and bonding because we're so dissociated from ourselves. So essentially when to leave a relationship you don't have to make a choice unless it's like you're in danger and get the fuck out, obviously. Like this all kind of goes, is predicated under, let's make sure that you're safe first. First thing is safety. Let's assume that you're safe and your health is not in danger. You don't have to rush. If you don't do those specific things, then you're pretty much going to repeat the pattern because you haven't addressed the root cause. You're just kind of like most people playing victim, thinking it's their fault. I'm not saying it's your fault. I'm saying you haven't owned anything. You haven't owned it. There's a dance happening. Everybody just wants to be the victim. And I get why that's part of our spiritual path. The first place is going and saying this wasn't right and accessing, I'm mad. I was treated poorly. He gaslit me. He invalidated me. And that's important, accessing our anger, especially when you've been in despair. So upgrade is to anger. But when you go to the, those narc abuse coaches, you know, narcissistic abuse coaches where they themselves haven't fully integrated, which was very obvious from that gentleman's share who was a narcissistic abuse coach. He was still very much hurting. If I'm still hurting, if I'm a therapist or counselor and I haven't really done my work, I'm sure he's done work to get to that level, but he was still really resentful, then you're bleeding all over your clients. You want You want to get help from... Uh, people who are teaching you from the perspective of their scars, not their open wounds. How do you know? You can just tell there's a, there's a vibe. <laughs> there's a vibe. There's the language is, is not accusatory. The language is very loving in awareness. The, the, the language doesn't put them as, you know, a victim. Um, if, if they use the term survivor, that's a great, you know, starting point uh but you don't want to be 20 years still telling the story of survivor because survivor when you use that language from a nervous system standpoint survival stress is not is not where we want to is not a good finish line so it means that when they're using the term survivors then they're identifying themselves as the victim it becomes an identity of who they are so that colors their informs their language and and so um Healing is, healing kind of goes, you know, beyond that, has to transcend that. But survivor is a step up from being in despair and being completely gaslit, not even knowing, because at first when you're in a relationship in, in those really toxic styles of relationship, because it's so familiar to what you experienced in your past, you were gaslit as a child. 
you were never, you know, uh, validated. You didn't have uh, your needs met. You didn't were really never a priority because the parents were dysregulated in their own toxic kind of codependency dynamic that you were just kind of a witness to. You had the felt experience where you didn't feel understood. Um, so naturally, when you're in a relationship. Or you, or the guy was an, or dad, mom was an alcoholic, and you were cleaning him up constantly. That's just you didn't realize that that was inappropriate for a child to have to do. It's just what you did. It's just normal. So that's why when written, if you had a secure upbringing, when you see a red flag like that, you'll be like, ah, uh, that's not cool. But because you had that experience normalized. Any red flag, like completely treating you like shit, calling you names, uh, physically hitting you, you're like, well, it's just what I deserve. I'll just stay there for another 20 years until, you know, you don't know that that's there. So the first step is I'm a survivor and I'm fucking mad and good. This resentment is a necessary part of healing. The problem is many people just stay stuck there and then become coaches for other people in that situation, but they're still stuck in that resentment and you can feel it in their tone. You can see it in their content and in their writing and, and the words that they use. And so, um, yeah, I mean, we can only lead others to where we've been and, and, and there's value in identifying, you know, that, that this wasn't fair and all that. And I'm not invalidating that. I'm just saying that that becomes kind of like, a sticking point and you're still depressed, still in that victim story. And so this level of work isn't about making it your fault. So what they always say, they jump on the stage and they start calling me out saying, you're saying it's the survivor's fault. No, I'm not. I'm saying uh, it's our responsibility. Regulate your nervous system. Address the transference. Uh, address the projection and the fourth thing that i have to say is find a guide and a community that's going to help walk that path with you because you're going to need resources and human beings who are involved in a healing conversation are resources so you got to be the most supportive for your nervous system as possible because it's scary going into the unknown and you want to make sure you're in a community of people who get you who are cheering you on, who will pick you up when you're down and who will high five you when you have stuff to celebrate because there's going to be many ups and downs on that road. And it's, uh, and I keep saying, unless your health is in jeopardy before making that choice of stay or go address those three things first, and then the answer will come. The answer comes on the other side of that. And so that's the best advice that I can give. So I don't know how, I mean, I, I have the, um, the room still open and if anybody had a question this would be a great time to ask uh if you had a, a specific question regarding this or something that you'd like to share i'd love to invite you to uh to jump on and uh and share your story just go ahead and raise your hand for those of you who are here um those of you watching or seeing on replay or you know listening to the replay on the podcast i'd love to hear what your biggest takeaway was um, and just have here, here we go. Let's do there. And I'm going to invite a couple people up, Miriam and Lou. So Miriam, let's start with you. Would you, uh, Hi. welcome and this thanks for, so thanks for jumping refreshing. in. I actually, 
yeah, I actually avoid this kind of psychological rooms uh, <laughs> relationships because there's so much of what you mentioned. And um, I actually have an, another layer of, I mean, I totally agree with the people using narcissistic abuse, which can happen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not denying it. I'm not denying it. It happens. I think that going around and diagnosing everyone yes. narcissist is, is, is something really, really bizarre. And I also see that a lot of people who are blaming people mm-hmm. who are a little different. Yeah. Sometimes people are like on autistic spectrum. Or yeah. They, you know, the, yeah. The other issues going on. Like mm-hmm. there's, not, there's more than just one thing going on with the yeah. person. Yeah. And people is like a little closed up or a little quirky or a little weird or a little inverted or whatever. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean they're an artist, narcissist. And they might have a real serious problems yeah. in the relationship. The problem is the moment you label this person as an artist, exactly. you assume that this person is not interested mm-hmm. in changing anything. You're mm-hmm. not giving them feedback. You allow them and then you feel empowered to abuse them. Exactly. And and what you don't understand, and what people, trying, yeah. what, sorry to jump right in there, what people don't understand is that when you diagnose somebody with a mental illness, that's the definition of gaslighting them, which is exactly what you blame the narcissist for. So this is my point is that the, the those the people who keep pointing fingers and oh, my my heart, husband's a narcissist, da, 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 what they don't understand is when you're labeling somebody, you're seeing them through a lens. If I followed most people around with the lens and you told me that, you know, that Miriam is a narcissist or Lou is a narcissist or, and, or Nima is a narcissist. If you followed me around for a week, you will find tons of evidence to support that, <laughs> that view because it just becomes the lens. It becomes the identity of which you look at a person, right? Which in and of itself, it, which in and of itself is is a narcissistic action. So if you spot it, you got it. And if you're not engaging with this person, you have not, you know, interaction, you're trying to manage this person, you're not going to develop a relationship with this person. Correct. You're going to try to play a game. Mm-hmm. So you becoming the manipulator. You will become the narcissist. Exactly. That's my whole point. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. I, I really appreciate that. I'm glad that this landed for you. Thank you. Lou, welcome. Hi, um, I have a question that seems to be about a recurring theme with my relationships or men that I'm dating. Sure. Um, it comes, it's about, I travel sometimes to these, um, let's just say they're fine dining restaurants and I meet friends from all around the world and we sit down at these really nice restaurants and I get why sometimes, let's just say all the time, it becomes a topic of appears if you just look at some of the photos or the stories where I put the details of what I'm doing that Lou is flying around the world with having fancy dinners with these millionaires and it's not really the black and white of it but that's how it appears at first glance when Mm -hmm. you look at it or when they're getting to know me and it just what even though they seem confident in the beginning and I'm pretty open about what I'm doing and telling them the detail or not is not the things they don't need to know Um, I've always been faithful. I've never, I'm not a flirty type of person. I have a warm personality, so maybe it comes off that way, but it, I don't know what I can say or do because this isn't just once, this isn't just twice. This is a single man. I don't know how to, uh, say something because you don't want to say, Oh, you're, that's, that's ridiculous. Or I'm, I'm always faithful and it doesn't seem to work. 
what are the things that I can say or do because my presence is on social media, which causes, I think, so many problems, but it's not something I'm willing to, I can't get rid of it because that's part of what yeah. I do. Okay. So it sounds like you're, you, you have a presence on social media, which puts out a vibe, part of your, part of your, um, part of your social media presence and the things that you put out, the content that you put out, um, paints a picture of this lavish lifestyle that, um, really creates a, a an image of, uh, you know, this lavishness that you, that kind of, uh, threatens a lot of guys. Is that what's happening? Is that what, 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 uh, what I'm, what I'm hearing? Correct. Okay. And it's not reality in mm-hmm. that we're talking, it's three to five day excursions at a time. Right. And, and maybe they occur once every month and a half, let's say right. every six weeks or so I'm going right. somewhere to do these three day, really intensive right. situations. Yeah. Okay. And can I ask you, do you mind if I ask you like, what, what do you do? That's what I do. <laughs> no, I'm, I am, I'm a stay at home mom and I'm retired. So, but that's, that is what I do. And that's what I choose to post. Right. That kind of stuff. Okay. So I teach shadow work and I get a read off of people. And so do I have your permission to um, kind of guide you here? Cause it sounds like yes. you're asking me, what do I say to people so that I, um, I mean, what's the outcome that you want? <laughs> What is the outcome so, you're looking for? So they trust me. Oh, so they trust me. Okay. Yeah. How to build the trust. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a very genuine person, authentic. Mm-hmm. That I think that's the quality that, that people are attracted to. Right. But then when it becomes intimate, it's threatening all of a sudden that why am I sharing this type of warmth that they were drawn to with so many other people? Right. And I've, that's what I've learned from trying to really look at it and look at myself. And what am mm-hmm. I putting out there what is that vibe well what i would do is i would get very honest with myself about how i am like the honesty so i teach shadow work and i want to say this because you you're not a client of mine you haven't hired me and so i'm kind of taking a risk and going out on a limb here so you gave me the permission so part of this work is really owning the fact that um as within, as without, so within. So the outer world is a reflection. So the way that they're, the way that men are treating me is a reflection of how I'm treating myself. So if you're willing to get a backstage pass and do some some shadow work here with me, uh, Lou, what part of you doesn't trust you? Trust yourself. Do, do I not trust, what don't I trust myself about? Yeah. There is a part, they're reflecting a part of you, you know, my sense that I can really tune in here is Mm, that I don't know if you're putting out something, you're putting out this content, there's a, you know, there, they, they could be, there's a possibility. There's just a few things that I'm tossing out here that these men are, if you're getting the same feedback again and again and again, you know, if, if I have one of my friends say something, be like, all right, whatever. But if five of them say the same thing, there's something there for me to look at. Would you agree? Would you agree? Or yes. Not? And that's okay. what I've been able to admit recently. Okay. The perfect. Thing. Yes. Okay. So, um, there's a possibility that they are reacting to an incongruency or an inauthenticity within you. Maybe, you know, social media is, what is it? It's just, it's image crafting, 
right? And so you're, there's a part of you that loves the shit out of this image that you're putting out. You're doing it consciously, right? Yes or no? Agree. Okay. I feel like, okay, now I think I get it. So yeah. I think I'm not um, somehow making them feel what I'm putting out to the world. I They somehow lose the sense that I'm giving them the appreciation, that them the attention, because they're getting into like, who's this person that saw that, that wrote that, and and he's on all your photos. I mean, it just comes up, you know, it's the thing that's the curse of social media. Right. When they see the same people and commenting. Can I... And yeah, can I can I also offer you something else? There's a part yes. of you that actually loves this dance. Agree. There's a part of you, and this is going to make you want to throw up if you're doing it right. You're doing this this game. You're getting something really valuable out of it, and you're pretending to be all fucking annoyed at it. <laughs> I can totally feel it. Yeah. I'm just like, stop, quit, stop. quit, quit <laughs> bullshitting here, Lou. <laughs> I don't know you, but I love you. Uh, but I, I, I can see how you're open to this feedback. You're coming on here and you're just like, ah, oh, like, I'm just so annoyed. But I've worked so hard to create this image and have this, these men all be jealous of me. And I'm just sitting here pretending to be all annoyed about it. And the way that you break the cycle <laughs> is by owning how you fucking did this to you and you love it. And you actually secretly really freaking love it because there's an insignificant little Lou that really needs this attention to feel validated from all these different men. How do I know this Lou? I played the same fucking game as you. I used to do the same thing and just cry victim to all these women that got jealous and I was putting out the fucking vibe to get that. And then when the stalkers would come, one of them actually 250 emails in one day ending with, I love you, I wanna kill you. <laughs> and I had to call my, my, my patient who was a cop. I was like, dude, look at this. And he's like, she's outside. I'm gonna, I'm gonna arrest her for criminal harassment. That was my wake up call for me to go, Nima, why, are you, why do you love the shit out of this? And I go, oh, I created this monster because I love the fucking attention. Why? Because there's an insignificant little part of me that I'm, that I haven't yet come to terms with, that really just wants this external validation. And if you're in social media and your business is run by, uh, you know, likes and posts and shares, then that's one. If you don't know that that's what you're run by, then it's a big fucking blind spot, Lou. That's basically what's happening. My social my social life is driven by that where I live. I'm not so integrated with my media community. Mm -hmm. It really does revolve around when I do travel. Cause my friends, right. It started from boarding school. They are around the world. So when I do this kind of thing, that's what I'm doing is they are with friends. So here, so, so here's my answer. I, I can't get rid of it. Well, I know. So here's my answer. Um, when you truly, truly address those younger parts of you, that you've been using this external validation for sustenance and you learn how to give that to you, you won't run into this same familiar dance. And until then, until you address that, you'll be getting it through these little kind of cycles with these jealous guys that keep coming in. Are you saying like to own it? That's the first step. Yeah. 
First step is own it. Second step is to find the transference. Like what parts of me are so, feel so insignificant, so invalidated, so, so like, like weak and pathetic that I really need to create this life, this image to, 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 to try not to feel that. So some deep shadow work would completely solve that for you. But you're so not going to want to do I it. What do I say to them when the conversation comes? Here's the up. thing. The, 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 what you're asking is, what do I say? You, you, everybody asking for advice, I always give them advice that they're not really wanting. They're wanting, what do I say to them? What I'm telling you is when you actually address that, that's just a Band-Aid you're asking for. When you actually, I don't do Band-Aids. When you actually address the root of it, what'll happen is the energy will shift and you won't attract that kind of pattern again because you yourself will shift. You yourself will, you will yourself will be way more authentic rather than to, um, I, I don't know, your, your social and your work, this bipolarity that you have, this, this character that you put on for work, it won't be, it won't be a character anymore. You'll start to integrate and become more authentic and then, you'll just attract a different conversation. You w it won't even come up. And when, it, even if it does, you'll be like, I don't know. It's just, I don't even see it even coming up when you address it because you'll, you'll attract, you'll attract a guy as secure as you are. That's what I'm asking. So you're saying I am actually feeding into the frenzy of, I'm yes, you're attracting insecure guys. You're attracting Jesus. insecure guys because you're at that, you're at that same level of insecurity. That's why you're attracting yeah, that I level of insecurity. So you're like, what do I say to them? I'm like, when you address the root cause of this, the guys you attract will be like, hey, I'm really proud of you. That's really great. They won't feel, uh, they won't feel slighted by that. So it's just it's a reflection. Those, it's the men that I think are boring, the ones that are very secure. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you are, when you are with unresolved trauma, you haven't really done your trauma work, secure relationship feels boring, but the insecure parts, the insecure ones will feel exciting. Because what happens is, I don't know your history, but if you had a father that kind of left, that wasn't around, uh, that you didn't really have a connection with your dad, is that true, Lou? Well, he worked a lot in the ER. We were very close, but okay. I think I've learned it's mostly my mother and I's relationship. It seems like to be the female and the mother and the male and the father. I don't know that. Yeah, um, sometimes, yeah. Uh, but if you kept desiring closeness and he just had other things that were more important, it would make sense then that you would try to, uh, resolve that by finding men that want more of you because that kind of gets complete that, that there's a completion that, uh, of a little girl that didn't have enough of her father. I'm just tossing stuff out, but right. that's, no, as, I think I, this I think is exactly really it with my mother. Yeah. It's mostly that stuff. So. Um, everybody who comes up on stage asking questions, they want advice on what should I say? And I'm not the bandaid guy. Um, you can find, you know, you can say certain things, but that's like cutting the head off a hydra. The, the, a new head comes back. You got to actually go to the root and you're not going to want to do it. <laughs> you're just going to want to keep it at the surface. And so when you're ready to actually break that pattern, you got to do all of those three things regulating your nervous no, system, do the spot, the, the transference and owning the projection. And I'm really glad you had the courage to come and ask this question. That was a fucking great question. And, and you were, you took I'm it so like a champ. Like, 
Well, neat. yeah. It, can you say those words again so I can look them up? Like transference yeah. and projection was one you were talking about Transference earlier. and projection. Those are two and mechanisms. Projection. This is what the nature of my, my programs and everything teach people how to actually address those and to regulate your own autonomic nervous system. Because if I don't do that, if I don't learn how to regulate my autonomic nervous system, I will seek out chaotic drama. I have, I find uh, complete, I find stillness and quote unquote, what most people would say, boredom as intolerable. But the safer that my nervous system feels, the more enjoyment I get out of boredom. And that is where the magic happens. That's where secure relationships can thrive because a secure relationship is a balance of boredom and burnout. So when we don't have that right, we go into, we go into burnout and we just, and then we, we, we find some boredom and then that's too boring. And then we ping pong from boredom to burnout, boredom to burnout, boredom to burnout. And so that's because we haven't learned how to regulate the boredom and burnout within ourselves. So that's what I focus on. So for therapy, I'm ready to start again. I had a great therapist a couple of years ago. Um, your suggestion would be like somatic. Yeah. Well, for, if you're actually, that, well, this is the thing is, um, I, like, I, I, have, like a, I have a tendency like to this. teach people the very, th like I, I'm, I created a solution, uh, and a process that therapy doesn't really address. And it, it addresses from the top down cognitive and the bottom up. So my programs are all, you know, addressing that doing deep shadow work. Um, you'd actually be a really great fit to apply for uh, one of our programs called Intimacy Accelerator, which is just kind of like a six-week dip your toe in and figure out, you know, and, and really integrate that shadow. You're actually feeling a marked change within six weeks. Of course, healing developmental trauma with your mom, it's a lifelong thing. You might as well learn a process rather than look for a therapist who can rescue you. Wiser to find a guide who can teach you how to become your own hero. And so that's what we do. So um, send me a, I, send me a DM or just go to my um, Instagram and hit that discover the discovery call thing. Um, uh, application for a discovery call. It's right there and just in jump in in the link tree. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. One more time. Hang on a second. Cause I don't want to, there's so many <laughs> links on here. Which one is it? It should be apply, apply for, I'm not sure if it's up there, but uh, should be there. The events and workshops. Mm -hmm. I think it should be. There's recreate relationships. Should I stay or should I go? Breath work and over, overview. Am yeah. I missing? I think it's, it might be at the bottom. If not, just send me a DM and then I'll send okay. you a link okay. and then Sorry. we'll, we'll get that. Yeah, no worries. I can see how you're really like you're ready to, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> glad because most people say they're ready, but they're just too scared. But it sounds like you're a go-getter. And so I'm, I'm happy to be able to help. And the thing is you, t you took my feedback like a champ, eight out of 10 would be so offended by what I said. They'd be like, he's rude, run the other way. But this is the nature of shadow work. It's, it's not, it's not kind of like it, there's, there's loving kind of compassion and there's, you know, sometimes we need a little fucking kick in the ass too, because you know, we can do better. And so great work, Lou. Thanks for, thanks for your question. Appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah. Beautiful. That was awesome. Does anyone else have uh, any questions you can, I'm invite, inviting you to come up to the, um, 
come up to the stage. We've got time for one more. That was fun. If not, we'll call it a day. I had a good time. So yeah, my uh, intent is to do this a lot more often. Uh, Wednesday afternoons, 3 p.m., maybe another one. Definitely join uh, Russ and I for uh, ours on Friday uh, at 1 p.m. Pacific time, which is 4 p.m. Eastern time. Um, yeah, we talk about anxiety and we're going to kind of go into this a little bit more. Russ and I have a really great back and forth banter. Uh, if you have any questions, please write in the chat box. If you're not already part of our Trigger Proof Facebook community, hit that link, join my Facebook community, watch the live. You can see actually, you know, I'm, I'm live on, on uh, Facebook Live right now. Uh, share your biggest takeaway from this. Um, it's a very common challenge for people. Uh, I want to say thank you to our uh, get. Oh, I have one person. One more time. One more person who has... Time for one more. Evelyn, come on up. One more question. Hello. Hello, I can hear you. Hi, guys. Wow, I can't believe I'm doing this. Uh, first of all, uh, Nima, uh, thank you so much for this for this talk. Um, my background is in psychology as well, so all of those beautiful words you're using today. I beautiful. You I get it. Immediately, transference, projection. But here is my Achilles heel. I absolutely do not know how to apply them to my particular situation yeah i feel extremely vulnerable about what i'm about to talk about yeah but i'm wondering that there might be some women in here maybe even some men who might uh maybe relate to this Whew, this is a hard deep breath darling okay here we go ah <sighs> you are safe <laughs> thank you nima thank you everyone for listening to me okay internet pornography <laughs> Instagram girls, okay. Instagram models, following uh, women they don't even know, but who are local, um, having an incessant need to follow different women and like their photos on Facebook. These, these are guys that you're dating are like this? Guys that I'm, I'm dating, men, yeah. men who wanted to marry me. This has started. And also because of my background in psychology, yeah. I also know the impact yeah. that I know people don't like to talk about it. People yeah. like to say that pornography, it's completely harmless. Yeah. Oh, dopamine. No, it has no. Yeah, I know. It does fuck with your brain, doesn't it? It screws with your brain. And listen, I'm, I'm the daughter of a former national security executive. She was a walking, talking lie detector. I seem to have inherited some of those traits. I think really feel <laughs> you spot bullshit mind. from a mile away. <laughs> I can spot it, but I want to believe, but I can even feel. I can, my last, my last serious boyfriend, I, well, serious, it didn't last very long because I, I picked up on all the lies very quickly, but I mm -hmm. kept wanting to give him a chance. Mm -hmm. I would actually know when he had just looked at porn and what he and who like i could actually oh jeez you're like a you're like a psychic like you're just <laughs> to the point where like you know ramiro i can actually i know that you just watched some sort of deep anal penetration <laughs> and that you're projecting it onto me and 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 i can in the bedroom you're, you're, in the bedroom you're not, you're not making love to me ah. you're using my body as a vehicle right. for, for something else. Yeah. I, and I can sense this with, yeah. from man to man to man. And I'm starting to wonder, am I just a freak? Yeah. Like, do I have a, what is my deep? Good deep, question. What is my problem? Because <laughs> I, I don't seem to be able to reconcile with this. This is really good. I, I can't reconcile with being with my last, my last short-term boyfriend, also Latino. 
Oof, um, I could I could literally see him do the eyebrow flash if he saw a woman wearing leggings. You know, the, the unconscious subconscious yeah. eyebrow flash. Yeah. You have a real button for fantasy and you have a real button for um, fantasies, don't you? Just not feeling beautiful. Right, okay. And the worst part is that, like, men half my age... I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you, you don't have any lack of people finding you hot. No, exactly. Yeah. But it's still there. Yeah. Bingo. I'll never be a beautiful petite Asian woman. I'll never be tall, uh, a tall Bridget Nielsen. Tall blonde Russian. (laughs) I can't be, I can't be everyone. All of these, all of these fantasies that men have and okay, great. So Evelyn, it sounds like you've been going through some patterns and you have this extrasensory perception where fantasies that the men that you're dating are fantasizing about other women are involved and that is really fucking with your ability to i know i know when i'm being treated like a cum bucket okay got it okay so i understand that and so here's my question to you because part of healing trauma part of the healing game is obviously sharing your story, but this is what I train my students, is can you come up with a question with all of that? Because, because you just shared that, and then what happens is we don't, our, 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 your nervous system doesn't have what to aim, because you, what to aim for now. Now that you've expressed that, your nervous system is now like, oh my gosh, you're in, you're in right now fight or flight, you're probably in sympathetic dominant right now. And it's already you, coming down because of my meditation training. Okay, beautiful. So you're you're you've you've learned to do that. Okay. So what outcome? What with all that being said, what's the outcome that Evelyn wants? What do you want? I want a powerful, um, a powerful hyper spiritual connection with someone who is as aware as I am, mm. as connected as I am, mm-hmm. as perceptive introspective and okay is cognizant of that falling into those fantasies or falling into for example the insta models and this and that that they're literally training their brain to no longer be attracted to even got it near perfect truth okay got it all right are you open to some feedback some, some ugly, yeah. yeah are you i can see i can feel it's safe to tell you the truth some people i'm like i gotta hold back because they don't they might not be ready but you you're in the game i trust you that you're gonna let you're gonna trust my kind of intuitive guidance here you made a statement you said i want to attract somebody as spiritually aware as me i'm here to tell you you have been all along <laughs> you've been meeting your match the whole fucking time and for you to, to for you to for us to be in a place where we put ourselves above is a huge fucking blind spot especially when we are repeating a pattern so that's the first thing that i would invite you to look at even though it might be painful okay how does that feel how does that land doesn't so feel are good you saying that i'm that i've been arrogant yes you've been arrogant you've been just as everything that you've been projecting onto the other people you've been meeting your match every fucking time guaranteed now check this out there there is a part of you that you're rejecting in other words there is a part of evelyn that fantasizes about all these women 
about all these men, about all these different people and just really is into all of that and, and is fascinated by all of them. Like, Mm -hmm. like I've never met somebody describe them the way you have, like you are like horny as fuck for all of these. (laughs) Okay. But, but you judge the shit out of those parts of you. Hello. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, but you judge the shit out of those parts of you. You claim that they're immoral, unspiritual, unawakened. They're too profane. And you basically keep them locked up and they're called your disowned parts. You judge them. It can, does that land at all? This is very interesting. This is very interesting. Does it land? Does it land at all? Okay, okay, good, good. Now. Because you judge them, because you make them wrong, because you hate them, you have this extrasensory perception and in being able to identify them in other people. It's a mild obsession. There's a little kinky high you get whenever you see it. But you, but you judge it. No, 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 no. But there's parts. It's not all of you. I'm talking about parts of you, your disowned parts that you're not you haven't gotten to terms with, you haven't integrated just yet. So, by the way, these are parts of your shadow. Shadow work is very spiritual and this is part of awakening. So these parts of you are, are asleep, just as asleep as the, 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 the others that you're judging. And so as long as you are resentful of those parts, you will forever see them and you have just as much fantasy that you're judging and you fantasize about whatever, like for example, in your own way, you're with somebody. How often have you been with somebody and then fantasized about somebody more woke? <laughs> somebody more awakened, somebody more spiritual. Okay. Well, during the act, no. During the act, no. Okay. During the act, sometimes, yeah, during the act, you, you wish you were with somebody else, somebody who's somebody who's somebody who's somebody else. Right. And so in your own form, you're judging them, but you're doing it in your own way. And this lack of presence with yourself is recreating your reflection. And so what you asked the question, when I was like, do you have a question? What I heard was, what you, what you, what, how do I bring somebody who's just as spiritually awakened as me? I'd like, you know, I'm going to offer you and invite you. Right. I'm right. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Who doesn't desire you? Who doesn't desire me? Yeah. My gay neighbor. No. Who, how, in other words, what parts of you are you finding so undesirable about yourself? This is, they are reflecting who doesn't desire you, Evelyn. The truth is you don't desire you. And so what you're wanting is a man to treat you how you haven't yet learned how to treat yourself. Now you're very intelligent. You've learned the books done all the things and you can recognize it in others, but there's a difference in somebody who's a therapist, psychotherapist, psychology degree, who's done their own integration work, right? And so you're meeting guys who are exact reflections of how you're treating you. 
You're fantasizing that you're somebody else. When are you fantasizing that you are better or stronger or, you know, better, nicer hips or longer legs or prettier whatever. Right. Because um, you're giving me a flashback right now. Yeah. And I remember my, fa- it's a long story. It's yeah. really, um, I won a Canada arts council grant over like my insane family story. Yeah. But, uh, long story short. I remember when my father first told me how he met my mother, who I, I, he says, I look just like, I don't actually, I'm taller and thinner and more fit. But I remember mm-hmm. he said that, you know, I remember when I met your mother, well, you know, I was actually interested in her, uh, tall blonde friend who looked like Ursula Andres, Bingo. But, you know, your mom I ended up with your mom somehow so that gets implanted as a code in little evelyn and now you get to play it out again and again in your relationships until you finally choose to integrate it all and until you do you're going to constantly be going ah oh, when am i going to find the right guy who wants me 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 when you haven't yet found you yet <laughs> yeah and so <sighs> But then integration, when you say integrate, what do you mean? It means to feel the parts of you, to really face and to feel and to release and, and, and come to terms with and bring back and love those parts of you you've been judging and hating. Bring back those parts. What if you can never remember a time where you weren't judging them? Well, that's it, 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 that welcome to everybody. Welcome to your, welcome to the fishbowl. I always say you were born into a fishbowl of dirty water. So welcome to the fishbowl you were born into. And so your work, our work, everybody's work is our hero's journey of going back and finding those parts. And that's really what I love to focus my training on is people who are tired of looking outside and waiting for the right person and then changing that to be saying, I'm just going to become the right person. And I'm going to heal all those. And so my suggestion is to find a guide who's willing to be, you know, loving and authentically honest with you to be able to hold that reflection so that you can actually embody the work that you know in your head. Gosh, so you really do need a guide. I mean, I've tried everything else, the hourly meditation. Yeah, no, the thing is, you look, look. You don't, you can't see your blind spots. I don't care how many fucking degrees that I have unless I've had practice owning these projections. And uh, uh, it, there's one thing about learning what projection is from a textbook. There's another thing about going, fuck, I fantasize just as much of those people. That's the difference. <laughs> but, you know, that's the difference. And so, you know, finding a guide who's willing to just confront that with you and help you own that and you become a more integrated self that actually finds you number one priority. And then the men that come into your life will be just as aligned as that. You're probably right. I think maybe self-guiding, maybe I've been a little naive about that because I mean, yeah. to guide others as well. Yeah, exactly. That's, a, that's, e- that's your ego. There you go. There's your ego and that's your number one. The ego is the number one um, kind of obstacle for us to have a secure relationship. Oh, I already know this. I'm so awake and involved. I just wish somebody, somebody, some, I should be good by now. Somebody, I just want to attract somebody who's just as fucking amazingly like awake as I am. And then your question was, you think I'm arrogant? I'm like, fuck yeah, I do. For you to say something like that 
you're, and it's a blind spot, you know, you got to have somebody who lovingly, you know, this is my style and I, I'm not, I'm the first to admit I'm not everybody's style. I don't, I, but I'm actually good with that. I'm like, here's who I am ready to work with and who I don't want to. And who I want to work with is somebody who's committed to healing, not committed to being right. Because the biggest threat to our relationships is our own kind of self-concept. And you just shared your self-concept about how, you know, you came in with all of your qualifications and da-da-da-da-da, what you should know. And then you wish that other people could just meet you up there where you're in your pedestal. And you're, I'm just like... Somebody needs to get knocked down from their pedestal and that's how you're going to find a guy because this self-righteous act is a deterrent for the truth. Let me tell, let, write that one down. You, this little self-righteous act that you put on, uh, because truthfully, let's, let's, let's call it the truth, is that you know, they, did, they tried to do research with men um, with pornography and they're trying to find a group of men as the control group who don't use pornography. And guess what they found? <laughs> they couldn't find a group. They, it, 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 it literally almost like it didn't exist. And so you're either going to torture yourself and torment yourself for the rest of your life or get to the root cause, which is why Evelyn doesn't find herself attractive. Uh, even though she's got all this evidence externally, doesn't really matter. It's how you feel about yourself and address that directly. And that's my... That's my suggestion for you, your mission, should you choose to accept it. And, and here's the other part I'm just going to drop in. I, I have so many conversations with people on, um, on Clubhouse. They're like, wow, my mind is blown. I know what I got to do. And then guess what? You're not going to do it. You're going to be too scared. You're going to, because it's scary to face those parts, even though you have a psych degree. Uh, it's scary to actually address those insignificant parts of ourselves and to face it. This is what, what shadow integration work is. And so I would. You have to. You have to. You have to. I mean, well, I mean, this is the way I look at it, Evelyn. You have to. I mean, the first, the, the, the truth of the matter is you had no chance. None of this is your fault. It was the fishbowl you were born into. It's unfortunate. It's not your fault, but it was the bus that you, you know, uh, were, were kind of born into and the accident that happened, but it's your responsibility to resolve. And you've got, come a long way. I mean, you're very intelligent. You did all of this psychotherapy and, uh, oh, whoops. You did all of the psychotherapies and all of that, uh, stuff to, um, uh, to really make, make sense of things. And you, and you've succeeded because if you've gotten great success, the one place that we have this obstacle is in our relationships. And what happens is what we realize is halfway through life is you can be successful, but without really meaningful, deep, secure, safe relationships, all the successes aren't worth it. And our, it impacts our health and it impacts our wealth. And so, yes, we have to. And I realized this, I was 43 alone by myself, not able to have successful relationships, not able to have secure, safe relationships. And I was like, I don't care what it takes, whatever distance I have to travel, whatever price I have to pay, I got to figure out this relationship thing. And so I did, I faced those dark parts of myself and I fucking owned my shit. And now all my relationships feel safe to me because I'm able to, to, to call out my, my blind spots. I'm able to take feedback 
you know, yeah, the thing is, is that you're sensing a reflection of yourself, Evelyn, you haven't owned the deceiving, manipulating, secretive fantasy, having parts of yourself. You're judging those. They're calling on you. When you address those, the triggers, only your shadows are being triggered. When you address those, you won't attract deceiving people because you're not, you're no longer deceiving yourself. You know, it, exactly. As they've been. exactly. And it's painful to look at, but it's, yeah. it's a reflection we all must face if we want to actually have a secure relationship. So if you have any questions, I mean, it's all, it's all there. It's all possibility. S send me a DM, give me your backstory. And if you're ready to rock, I'd love to take you through my process. I mean, I, I love seeing people willing to fucking face their truth and just be like, Oh, that hurt. Like, the way that you re responded to my kind of tough love there, I really appreciate you. I, it, I can really see that you, you're you dedicated to healing rather than being right, which most people no. just want to be right. Oh, no, I want this ego dissolved. As okay. Possible. Well, the thing is your ego won't be dissolved. I still have my ego. The, the trick is for me to be able to go, oh, sorry, you know, Evelyn, what I just said there totally came from my ego retraction yeah. sorry about that yeah. it, it, it it's it, it it it's there it's a part of me but i've learned how to dance with him and yeah. my relationships are safer so it's not about killing the ego because that's not going to happen it's learning how to dance i call it it's a big part of the training dancing with your dark passenger when you do then you have authenticity when you do when you do you have authenticity when you don't you're lying and manipulating yourself and then you'll see it in other people and get frustrated why is everybody else such a fucking liar and manipulator and you can't even see that it's you until you have somebody willing to hold a reflection hold a mirror and go sweetheart take a look and you're like ooh oh, this is so brilliant this moment is <laughs> Thank you. I love you, Evelyn. Thanks for being thank open. Thank you so much, Nima. And thank you to everyone who... Yeah, I, that was fun. I, I wonder if everybody got something out of that. That was fun. Yeah. Well, just jump in my Facebook community and, and um, you know, you can see the 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 replay and it was... Uh, you can make maybe make a comment or... Yeah, I'd love to... Love to... Yeah, yeah. Just hit my um, Instagram and go to Facebook community and just, you know request to join the trigger proof group and um, just keep following along i will find you thank you so awesome much. evelyn thank you that was pretty awesome a badass question all right that's all the time we have until the next time if you haven't already you know um kind of subscribe to um this in the brain care club my my uh cycle breaker handle there also, Dr. Nima on Instagram and make sure you join the Facebook community and engage. Show up at our events. We have breathwork coming up on the 18th of December. You do not want to miss out on this. This is the access point into your truth. This is kind of like where a lot of people start off, especially those who are nervous. They're like, I don't know, is this real? Is this the internet? He's kind of scary. He looks like a Justin Timberlake meets Al-Qaeda type of uh, thing I'm not sure if I trust him or he triggers me or whatever you can kind of do that or if you're actually ready and you're like fuck I got to do this and I want to start to get trained hopefully before Christmas learn how to handle this ego of mine because shit's about to hit the fan with the holidays I'd love to love to guide you so just go ahead and um, apply and uh, just 
be ready to get uncomfortable if you want to heal. See you at the next perfect time.